Escape from Plan A. Episode of Escape from Plan A. I'm your host Oxford Condo, and I'm here joined by Teen. Hey, what's up? And Mark. Hello, everyone. All right, and this is like for the first time we're all like in the same room together, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but we're like in the bowels of Long, Long Island, Island City. City. I think we're yeah. underneath a highway somewhere. <laughs> I was like, we're in Murray's Cheese. Like we're in the back room of Murray's Cheese uh, warehouse. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully, we get some good cheese. It's cool. Yeah, but we're yeah. moving on up. You know, we have done like eighty-five plus episodes from our. Uh, I guess our yeah. bedrooms and basements and stuff, and well, we're not, rolling no. in dough. Yeah, but <laughs> actually, rolling in dough from our generous patrons. Yes, yeah. we are. I mean, obviously, we we got to put in, you know, the down payment for the the brownstone that we're gonna try to buy and, <laughs> and the uh, Mercedes. Plan That's uh, right. That's but, right. Yeah, but we can devote the rest to to this. Yeah. Actually, that, that, please, um, we have started that Patreon. So if you would like to join us, uh, please go to Patreon.com/slash/PlanAMag. You will get bonus episodes, access to our Discord, and we're totally joking about buying properties. <laughs> so, <laughs> what we're really doing is, uh, you know, besides you know offsetting any costs that we uh, have uh, to running this magazine and podcast, we also want to build a fund so that we can write, uh, not, uh, we can find writers who are going to write way better stuff than what we usually read in the more mainstream publications. So, if you want to join that effort and you still haven't, go to that site, and of course, subscribe to us on the usual podcast hosts and please review us if you like us and leave five stars all right um so this episode we want to talk about one article that came out recently in the cut that um you know fortress of white feminism but this one is about chads and And apparently uh, all the all the uh plastic surgery they're getting to i guess become more like chad and less like uh not chad um so yeah uh what do you guys think of the article it was it was a lot of detail about yeah. I first of all I hate the cut. I think, I think <laughs> the cut is hot garbage. Um, I think that goes without saying, Oma. What's the word for it, man? It's like it's just. Um, and this article exemplified yeah. this. It, no, it, did, didn't it? Like at the bottom of this article, didn't somebody point out there was like an advertisement yeah, for plastic surgery for women or something? Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. That was me. And then they they have like those. Uh, I guess if you want to go there and read about like the, I guess the sex lives of like divorced 40 year old you know bankers or something it's, it's also useful oh or maybe someone like rebecca traster will write another article about why hillary actually won in in the moral yeah game the, the, the cut yeah. is yeah, you're looking for a word to describe it yeah it's just like this article in particular just went into an unnecessary amount of detail i feel On it's me. almost like a body horror type article yeah and it's very long it's rather long it, and for, it didn't have yeah. to be that long, and I thought a lot of it was just layering. By the way, the article is called "How Many Bones Would You Break to Get Laid?" Mm-hmm. Incels are going under the knife to reshape their faces and their dating prospects, and it's about. It's another article I think about this incel movement, which it doesn't really say much other than it exists and it and it's and it's horrifying, right? Which I guess it is. I don't. I don't really. I don't really lurk in those spaces. Mm-hmm. But this this article was just about. I mean, it's interesting, but it was just about these guys who um, go to incredible lengths because they have body dysmorphia and they feel like there's there 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 there's certain things about their what faces. their fa- faces yeah. that they feel are preventing them from being having accepted sex. having sex. But yeah. I think it goes. It goes I mean, they're focused that. on the sex, but I think it goes way beyond. It that, goes right? way beyond. Yeah, that. yeah. They're because they're. They're constantly going back to like fix like a little bump they yeah. have on their jaw and stuff, mm-hmm. and, and that's truly you know psychotic kind of behavior to to obsess so much over that, right? Because like yeah, at, yeah. at a certain point, you're pro- and I bet if these people showed their actual photos, they're probably fine, right? So it was funny, right? So in the article, they had um, I guess on some of these incel forums, they will post a picture just of themselves, and then they'll Photoshop the face to be like this is what my ideal chad face would be mm. and when you look at some of the the people like or at least the ones that they decided to post in this article you're like these guys are just normal looking guys yeah, like, like they're the, not the before pictures better yeah the, like some of them you're just like okay um you're not like incredibly handsome but you're not like hideously deformed 
So it it does go. I think it does speak a little bit to the fact that there is a little bit of that dysmorphia there. It's not just sort of this idea that if you're better looking, society will treat you better. Oh, which yeah. which yeah. I feel yeah, yeah, yeah. like obviously that's true, right? I think I mean, it's. I mean, it's obviously that's real, real, right? That's yeah. real, yeah. right? Yeah. But the fact that you know, like Oxford, you point out, the, the, some of these guys go back again and again and again to sort of fix their fix each procedure. Mm. It does point to the fact and. The, the plastic surgeons in the article that they they, they um, interviewed were like, every patient they have for plastic surgery, if it's not sort of like a, a medically necessary correction, has a little bit of dysmorphia. Every person that gets plastic surgery. There's a yeah, little bit. There's, there's a subreddit that I've been just checking out recently. It's called Instagram Reality. Mm-hmm. And I think it's mostly women there. And I think mm-hmm. it's them trying to uh, just expose a lot of the Instagram fakery that goes on. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, a lot of like the so-called improved pictures are just horrible. They look like uh, somebody uh, stepped into a circus mirror, mm-hmm. where they're like, <laughs> yeah. their chest is too wide and their their um, waist is too narrow, and their hips are like it's like ex- exaggerated hourglass type of figure. Yeah, and it almost looks like they have some kind of like some body disorder that that yeah. you know something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so yeah, I th- I think that is. I think that has been traditionally um, associated with women, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's like affecting guys too. So yeah, that's the that's the thing, and I think there's there is an Asian American angle to this. I think which is because um, of the plastic surgery in Asia. Well, no, um, yeah, well, that I guess too. I wasn't thinking about that, but yeah, that's sure. But also, um, my time lurking Reddit and getting to know a lot of people on Reddit because I think that's where mm-hmm. I really started. My eyes started opening up. I think a lot of yeah, we're, a lot of we're us, all like yeah. that. My eyes started opening up to kind of what was going online, sort of in the shadow realms of of uh, the lives of Asian Americans. Mm-hmm. And you know, I got I got to know this guy pretty well, who was um, who was uh, like a power lifter. Okay. And uh, and uh, it, it, well, he was a he was a he was a, a grad student somewhere, but like he started telling me about what was going on, and he was like, if you go into any of these sort of masculinity forms. He said he assumed almost most of the guys that he was talking to suffered from body dysmorphia, and he mm-hmm. said he did as well. Mm-hmm. But he said it with a certain kind of um, uh, compassion, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, because he suffered from it. Sure. And he understood what was driving it. And I think what bothers me about this article isn't whether it's true or not. It's for sure mm-hmm. it's true and it's troubling. But there didn't seem to be any compassion. And I find this is why I yeah. hate the cut. I think the cut is something that is constantly, and I remember because uh, I think Celeste Eng wrote something about Asian incels in there, and there was similarly the total lack of yeah. compassion. Yeah, quoted that article that, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, I think that maybe it's driven by fear. I think, I think that there is, because if it's women writing about men and their insecurities, I think that it, it's not exactly symmetrical in the sense that there's yeah. a greater amount of fear. We don't fear women that have dysmorphia. It, it doesn't, it's not threatening to us. But maybe in the cut is threatening, but it's still, I think the lack of compassion and the lack of even yeah. trying to get to that is why I freaking hate that. Well, which was interesting because I, I totally agree. It, it, it was, it, it, it treated, and they treat a lot of subjects like this, sort of like they're on a safari mm-hmm. and they're like, look, you know, they're on the, <clears throat> they're on the, the Jeep and they're sort of looking at the lions and it, it's yeah. sort of very like, um, uh, it's very dispassionate, very like, uh, it's maybe this passion it's 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 almost mo- like it's a very subtle mockery yeah right yeah, and, yeah. and there's no compassion to sort of understand like what's what's driving these men to do this mm-hmm. other than like oh they're they're misogynists and they're you know men's rights people and they're just these violent you know incels or whatever and there can't be any reason or any you know actual underlying cause for it for it right well mm-hmm. if you look at i i don't know if this was like the cuts uh, motivation, but if you look at a lot of the online comments, I think a lot of it is uh, just this kind of like desire for petty revenge because they're like, oh, yeah. like you guys, like you, you, I have no sympathy for you. You guys are going through what uh, women have gone through for you know, I guess forever, right? Which I understand. I think that there is, but it's also, I think this was this can now even go into things where it has nothing to do with like looks or dating because mm-hmm. there was a recent article in the New York Times where they interviewed this guy. He was like some laid off GM worker in, in like Michigan or something. And most of the article was about him talking about how like he was really desperate uh, to find any politician that talked about uh, uh-huh. uh, his like plight. He even voted for Obama a couple of times. 
uh, before he voted for Trump because he didn't. Uh, Trump was the only one talking about it, and now he hates Trump because like that plant is, I think, closing anyway, and mm-hmm. Trump's not doing anything. And then at the, the he in the last line of the article is something like, "If I can't even provide for my family," and he has like a daughter, I think, who who has something like autism or or like um, like a cerebral palsy or so, some some uh, okay. uh, illness. And he's like, if, if I can't even do that, what am I as a man? Mm-hmm. And the, the headline of the article was like, uh, what am I as a man if I can't like provide for my family? And of course, on Twitter, you got you got fuckers going around saying like right. this like toxic masculinity has right. to be dismantled. It's like that's not the point of the article. But you know right. what the New York Times, you know what they were doing? They were fishing for that kind of stuff. And it's they it's were. all out there. Everyone's just angry about their uh, you know like stuff like this. And they're just looking to exploit, and I think, um, yeah. and you know, and and but like buried in like the last sort of like couple of paragraphs of the article, they actually um, talk about ContraPoint, and they talk about her uh, really popular video that she did on YouTube Wait, who, about who's this ContraPoint. The um, can you explain YouTube in tra- case people don't know? So I, I don't I don't know her real name, but uh, she's a trans woman uh, on on YouTube. She's incredibly popular, and one of her most I think her most popular video was about incels. And they interviewed her for this cut article, and she actually interjects that compassion, right? She's mm-hmm. like, I kind of understand sure. from that like trans perspective, um, the desire to you know change your 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 looks to 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 fit in, and she so she she actually is trying to interject a little bit of compassion, but they quickly <laughs> they quickly like move past that. Well, that's interesting in because well, in our uh, episode with with trans women, yeah, like Sen, uh, when I when I talked to her, you know, before even on the podcast and we talk about this on the podcast, but yeah, she also explicitly said that, you know, as a, as a trans woman, she also had this, had this, you know, some kind of compassion for, for these people. And it's, yeah. I, maybe it's just like these like upper class, you know, straight cishet people with absolutely zero understanding. They're the ones who just make it all about themselves and whatever. And they're the ones writing all this. And- I think there's a bit of enjoyment in needling the incels. And yeah. I think, um, it, I think they're, it bothers me that they're – I mean, I know incel is a term that's sort of self – it's like a self, self-identification, self-identification yes. mm-hmm. and that's what they call themselves. Yep. So they're, they're – I mean, they're just using the term that they chose. But it, it's kind of meaning that – to use that term repeatedly. And I think they go beyond identifying just those people as incels, right? They're saying mm-hmm. incels broader represents a certain kind of – yeah. You know, um, yeah, in other words, you could be getting laid all the time and still be an incel. If yeah, you have that mindset. I mean, but there's something about it's 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 just a it's just a certain class of men yeah. now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with threatened masculinity and right. stuff like that. Right. And I think that there's a suspicion that they harbor deep misogyny. Mm-hmm. Two things about that bother me. One is it's punching down. I think a lot, uh, which is weird because a lot of the most the the big the big headline cases, the Weinstein's, the Schneidermans, the Matt Lowers, mm-hmm. like we wouldn't call them incels, right? No. So, so they're exempted from this discussion, even though they're the worst perpetrators. That's number mm-hmm. one. Number two is by calling them incels, involuntary celibates, you're kind of meeting them at their level, which is to say, we accept the fact that your masculinity is yeah. is corrupt, is debased because you can't get late, right? And I've seen people use that online as a sort of like triggering mechanism. To and this is done against Asian guys all the time with small dick jokes and mm-hmm. all this stuff, which is it's a way of needling you and to threaten your masculinity by basically meeting you at your level, saying, "Yeah, that's right. The the the, the willingness of women to sleep with you is a measure of your worth." Right, and then it's a trap, right? Because yeah. then if you if you agree to that frame or you get triggered by that, then they can sort of come back around and say, "Well, why is that so important to you?" Why is like your identity based on the fact that you can sleep with people? Mm-hmm. Are you, you know, why, why are you such a toxic man? Mm-hmm. So like they, they they trap you in in that in that. In that yeah, argument. I think it is a it's it's a you bit know? of a trap, and I think for I mean, if you look at that New York Times article, what it was saying about if he didn't have that auto worker job, I think I, I mean, I mean, the more I think about this, the more I feel like the the basic situation that a, a probably a younger man faces in this day and age is either be useful or be pretty mm-hmm. or be dead. Yeah, or just yeah. Those are your options, right? So, it's kind of dire. Yeah, it's kind of dire. Um, do Do you guys the, remember that tweet by that? I think he's a professor at Stanford, David Palumbo Liu. He he raised like yeah. a mini, uh, I guess, within the context of Asian American Twitter, a controversy because he tweeted something like, 
when my Asian male students want to do a project about uh, yeah, masculinity, I, yeah. um, I always say yes, but then I also ask them, why do you want this? And then there was a lot of uh, people who yeah, replied that. to it. Yeah. I, I, uh, I replied to it saying something like, um, well, can we at least define what masculinity means? And I find it hypocritical when people always accuse certain guys of saying, why are you aspiring for this masculinity? Yet many of those same people who say that uh, rewarded themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but so then he, he got into a fight. He never replied to me, but he replied to other people. I think those types of Asian guys who would be more easily characterized as incels. And you know what they do? They retweet them and post them for everyone to see. And so he's like, oh, look, look at me. I'm the good Asian man or whatever. But then he, he said something like, uh, I also said in my original tweet that, you know, I asked him to define it. And he actually never did, if you look no. at the tweet. So, yeah, I, I think there is that hypocrisy. And I think that's what really pisses off the insults. It's like, yeah, you, uh, you accuse us of valuing, mm-hmm. you know, sex and you know, much, traditional masculinity. Yeah. But you do it yourself. Your gripe with us is that we don't live up to it. You know, that's the, that's the thing. This, um, I mean, just the, you talking about that, I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar with that, but it seems like, the responsible thing to do as an educator would actually to be like, all right, well, let's start there. Let's define it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead mm-hmm. of, well, let's prove to me that you yeah. Yeah, no, have for, an, a, you know, an adequate understanding of what it means to my satisfaction right, before right. we could talk about it. And for right. all we know, he does ask them to define it, but he didn't say that in his tweet. Thus, He, he, thus, did, he said it like later on. Yeah, later on. But like the one that got all the, all the attention, he, yeah. he never actually said it. It sounded like he was saying like, okay, Asian guys, uh, why do you want to be... Oh, I don't know. Strong, seen as strong, attractive, charismatic. Why don't? Why aren't you know? Why don't you find a way to be happy with the way you're being treated now? Which is, I think, fine if people value that, but people don't. So, you, are you just saying our know our place? That's basically what it would, sounds like, right? It was very dismissive, and it was sort of like prove your worth sort of thing. Um, you know, it, it. It. I wasn't really pissed off more than I was like, okay, yeah, it's another type of this thing. And, I don't know. It ca- it brings to mind the she was in the news for all the wrong reasons recently though. Naomi Wolf, are you familiar with yeah. her? Actually, I don't know what happened. You, please explain what. Oh, what, well, the, what happened wasn't really that relevant. But she um she wrote this book about uh she had a, I don't know the book is, hasn't come out yet, but it's about she was on the book tour like promoting it. Yeah, and then she the entire thing is premised off of like these nineteen executions yeah. of gay men in in England in in in, right. in in UK. I think in the early twentieth century. And uh, she was doing an interview, and the host was like, "You realize those men weren't actually executed." Oh yeah, yeah. And and she had gotten something wrong about the legal terminology. Yeah. In fact, they, yeah, yeah. They were they were committed. They were sentenced to death, but they were never actually executed. Or whatever. That's not relevant to what I'm trying to. I'm bringing up her name just because she had made she had a theory. I think in the like late, I think in the 80s or 90s, mm. that feminism, where it was headed, the direction of feminism at that time, it was headed towards. A, 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 you know, a future in which all of the sort of oppressions against women mm-hmm. would be equally applied to men. Okay. So it wasn't yeah. like we were going to move the needle on oppression, but we would right. just say, "Look, we're going to no, subject bring men it down. Bring, right, we're going right, to bring right. we're going right, to bring right. men down too." Right. Instead um, of elevating. Yeah. Exactly. Down. And so, yeah. to the extent that we have not elevated women from those oppressions, and now men are being dragged down to it, I think. The cut, in a way, almost makes me feel like that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like her, her, her prediction, I think, is coming true. And I see this a lot. I see a lot of, like, I see so much of it now. I see yeah. so much of men having the same insecurities um, that women stereotypically were thought or expected to right. suffer right. during the 80s and 90s. You know, and I think this pre- this sort of obsession with one's appearance... Um, this um, sort of this sort of like desire for a career, but the inability to get one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, all those things were classic problems for women in the eighties and nineties, and there's still problems for them. Mm-hmm. But now, it's maybe more than ever, men. and now it's a problem yeah. for us too. As it's a, as it's men, a very right? bleak. So. It's basically like a scorched earth strategy, right? It's like okay, if you can't have this promised land of quality, then nobody can. Mm-hmm. Or I'm gonna bring it down. I mean, it's almost a human response, though. I think, like, no, yeah, for I sure. Th- I, th- I, think, I think it, it yeah. reflects some kind of like hopelessness. Like, okay, I, I don't think we can achieve that. So, you know what? The next best thing is, is it's kind of like a craps bucket mentality. Yeah, but it's like I think of like hazing, right? Mm-hmm. With like you know, on teams or like in fraternities, right? 
it could it would be fairly simple from like an operational perspective to just stop just don't do it but what happens is that people are like well i was subjected to it and i'm not going to let you become part of my organization without having the same thing i don't want to have i don't really i don't it's almost like i don't want to have this humiliation in my mind that i was had all these bad things done to me so I'm going to continue and perpetuate that on the next generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So also, it's like, so I kind of feel like that's what's happening with like some of the like that that prediction that Naomi made is that like instead of saying we're going to stop and not sort of do these oppressions, we're going to make sure that other people feel it too. Also, I had not heard about. I only like heard about because I think you guys were talking about it. But I thought it was Naomi Klein. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm glad it wasn't. It's <laughs> somewhere between Virginia Woolf and Naomi Klein. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, going back to the cut article and how you you, uh, you said it, so- it sounded like sensationalist, because I, I can. Believe- oh yeah, that's the word sensationalist. Okay, yeah. sensationalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really think guys are getting like testicular implants? I I feel like some are. I feel like some there's are. probably at least one. There's got to be at least one because they wrote about it. It's like, is that really a thing? That just sounded so bizarre no, to me. I, that it's not. It's it's. I've never it's on the fringe. It's on the ultra. On the ultra fringe. Like, I mean, obviously, like, even even like that's why it's sensationalist. It's real, yeah. yes, but is it yeah. is it. A, a, is it a phenomenon it kind of reminds me of like there was this there was this um there are these pictures that go around the internet of these guys that inject themselves with yeah this oil yeah it's basically oh, like injecting yeah. olive oil that, into yeah, your yeah. fucking and it looks horrible it oh, looks disgusting yeah. do people do i does anyone really do that i mean a, is that a moral panic some, you know what i'm saying like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but it's sensationalist because it right. looks horrendous mm-hmm. well and um, yeah and, and and people like to gawk you know they mm-hmm, like to look yeah. at it and be like oh look at these weirdos and yeah. But I think the that that sensationalism, just to gawk at it, and it sort of just ends there, right? It's like the freak show sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think the dangerous thing, or the 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 really bad evil thing that the cut does, is that they sort of try to generalize it, like you were saying, to make it like a category of men. Like mm-hmm. these, this small fringe of men is like a outer symptom of a deeper disease, and that's what makes it really dangerous. Because no one's going to say it's a deeper disease, like people injecting olive oil under their skin, right? That's just that's just you gawk at. Yeah. Uh, bringing it back to Asian American guys, um, when I do my like you know daily lurking of all the the subreddits, I'm always I always get worried when like I see like a thread where like, I see a guy going down this path where he talks about mm-hmm. like you know the 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 ratio of the length of your nose versus like the width of your jaw kind of thing, mm-hmm. and then they get so fixated on certain things. Uh, one thing that always makes me laugh is when these guys get so fixated on facial hair. It's oh like, really? Uh, yeah. I mean, like Mark uh, and you, Teen, you both have facial hair. <laughs> Actually, I I recently was just like, because so I'm like in a job transition phase. So there was a time uh, for a while where I didn't really have to care that much what I look like. So I was just like not shaving because I I know I look terrible when I don't. Mm-hmm. So I've I've always like you know shaved after a couple of days and stuff. I was like, hey, let's see what it looks like. And actually yesterday, um, I, I saw some picture of myself. I was like, oh God, I, I just look dirty. I just look like something <laughs> on my face. But I mean, I mean, seriously, like, you got... I, it looks horrible. I, I can't stand having a picture, but I can't stand shaving all the time. Right? Yeah. It, but like, like, you know, like, <laughs> like you guys, it's not like you guys, because you have facial hair, you're going around and like, oh, I, I feel just like a white dude, right? No. And like, if that, no I, I feel horrendous. <laughs> and if, if that were the standard, it, it would be like... It'd be like Indian dudes would be would be like the most desired. Yeah. Guys. Like those those guys are fucking hairy. <laughs> like, I, but see, I didn't start growing out my facial until after I got married. So it wasn't even something I did to be like maybe. I see. I... See, you did it now that she can't leave. You know, yeah, like, exactly. I got you locked like, down. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever done it. Like, I, I, I you know, because I never really liked it. I didn't think I really had the ability to. Well, you, then, you got you got at least good growth. I got like like male pattern baldness in the middle of my mustache, so it just looks <laughs> oh, like really? whiskers. Yeah, I, luckily least... enough, I don't, I don't have that uh, on the parts where I want to grow the hair. But I do have, like, patchy on the cheek, so I can't do, like, a full beard. Yeah. At least I got a, a full, beautiful head of hair. So, there you, you know? go. That's all that matters. I guess it's better than the other way around. I'd rather be bald on my mustache than my head. So. <laughs> I guess, man. I guess. But anyway, um, and I just see guys getting so obsessed with, like, you know, like those minute details. And they're really missing the big picture. And I do think they're being led to a trap where they just blame themselves or their genetics. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what do you guys think about that? I think Asian um, Asian guys actually have a certain advantage here, yeah. right? Because I think that the problem for the white incel or whatever the white the young white guy, yeah, like if we if we accept Naomi Wolf's premise about men facing a similar kind of oppression that women faced before, the difference is that, um, well, one difference is that. Women were 
openly encouraged and had the full social right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh to advocate for himself right okay but a white the white guys they 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 just can't do that right that you cannot advocate for white guys yeah in any that's form that's true okay yeah and this is not to uh i'm not making a case for them they should make it themselves sure. but i'm just saying i think that's their situation yeah whereas for for non-white guys uh, in the uh, asian guys included we can they can at least form communities based around their race and to locate oppressions in, within the racial identity right but which actually are like in the case of asian american guys where they're talking about you know oh i don't have i'm not i don't facial look as hair, good i don't have yeah. facial hair so i mean whatever or whatever i i turn red when i drink i'm not a man <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah like what the fuck yeah uh you can easily find racial discourse that will dispel those myths for you. Right. And and I think that that's kind of our responsibility in a way is to be like pretty absolute about that. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But the, yet without falling into this trap of being like, oh, you know, it's forming basically like a men's rights group. And I know Celesteng yeah. in the cut had tried to pigeonhole these guys into sort of like an Asian incel movement, the MR Asian men's mm -hmm. rights Asians. Um, but you know, I don't think we really give a shit because it's like, um, no, nah, we're, we're talking about just racial issues. Yeah. And they're, mm -hmm. you know, I was about to say that I would, I would definitely agree, except I think the, the people you get pushback from is like a certain segment of your like same race, opposite gender group. We see it obviously among Asian Americans where some Asian women will say, well, talking anything about like Asian American male yeah. issues is mm -hmm. tantamount to being basically uh, like a men's rights activist. We also see it in, in the black community, yeah. the concept of yeah. like hoteps yeah. and all that. So I, I think that that's how it gets used. But the, I think the funny thing is once you step outside of that, um, you talk to probably just like a non-Asian person and just talk probably quite raw just about Asian American male issues. They're probably quite open to it. Mm -hmm. It's actually the people mm -hmm. in your group because the context is to uh, uh, each other were the default group uh, in our mind. So it's it's mm -hmm. this weird thing where we treat each other like white people, like how a white woman would regard a white guy. Mm -hmm. uh, a minority woman would see the, the same group, minority male in her group, uh, because, mm -hmm. you know, these are the people, like her parents, her brothers, uh, maybe her, like, ex-lovers or whatever. The relationship is the same between, like, usually what a mm -hmm. white woman and a white man. But she's still, so, but she's yeah. still Asian, right? I mean, what yeah. I'm saying is, like, yes, that's true, I, I you know, but I think a lot of them are less racially identified the ones who who do who who do take that stance mm -hmm. to say I'm going to treat these guys as basically like well to feel as alienated from racial in-group guys mm -hmm. right to feel as alienated from them that I think that like say women, you know white women that read the cut feel towards white incels there's no racial and there's, I mean, in this society, there shouldn't be, right? Like, white identity is not allowed. It's, it's just, it's not allowed in, um, especially sort of in liberal space. No. So they're not allowed to have that connection. And I think with Asians, I felt online that there was a similar dynamic going on where a lot of, there was um, a feeling that Asian women and Asian men, there was an intersectional divide and there shouldn't be a sense of connection. But that's limited. That's much more limited, I think, among Asian Americans than it is among white Americans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think most Asian women, I think once the internet, the online discourse became bigger and bigger and more women came in, more Asian women came mm -hmm. in, mm -hmm. I think that there was a reprioritization of that racial connection. Yes. And I think that there was a lot less. So, for example, I thought there was when her when the Ang article came out in the cut about MR Asians, there really was almost no buy in from the Asian community that I saw. I thought it was widely panned and, or, yeah. or ignored. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a certain like. Asian Twitter crowd that's gonna be like, you know, yeah, praise this article and stuff. But yeah, and then uh, and like they're meaning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it, yeah, I think it wasn't even like panning it. People just ignored it. Like I like I think for a certain extremely online segment of mm -hmm. the Asian American community, mm -hmm. Celeste is uh is sort of like a big name. But you know, when I talk to like the other Asian Americans that I know in my life mm -hmm. that I know are not like nearly as online. They don't know who she is. Well, you know, we've heard, you know, and we we've also heard from our friends yeah. that that it, it wasn't just ignored by even Asian Americans in the in the sort of like publishing and media right. spheres, but that they were like 
actively groaning yeah. at, at these. Yeah, and these were Asian women too. Asian women. I mean, they're we actively names, groaning. But yes, yeah. we heard. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's just. Um... Well, I think because I, I don't want to. I, <laughs> I always run the danger of wanting to steer it towards that event, that, that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, be, but but I think it because it's so illustrative of the of the dynamic going on online, not just with Asian Asian guys, but guys in general, that you do. I think people do have to be careful about the way that they critique masculinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is sensitive for guys, and yeah. it's not enough to be like if you're a man, you wouldn't be sensitive. And I think it's always like, look, if you have a healthy sex life, if you have healthy relationships, if you have a healthy career, if you're successful, if you're a man, you wouldn't be worried about this stuff. So the only reason you're worried about this stuff is because you're, you're insecure. Yeah. And it's because you're not a man. And it's just this self-reinforcing thing yeah. where it's like, I, you don't matter to me. Like, unless you can either have those things for real or act as if you do, then fake, right, it, yeah. then fake it till you make it. Yeah. And just be be cool. Just be cool. Be above it. Transcend, you know, like right. whatever. Um, then you're uh, you're literally the problem. Yeah, and that, we see yeah. so many Asian guys do that, where they're like, "Oh, mm-hmm. this like, I don't know." When I when like people tell me I don't you know date Asian guys or whatever, oh, that doesn't bother me. I'm uh, I can rise above it. And yeah, that's exa- that's how it manifests. I see a lot. Yeah. 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 I mean, ask a, ask a, any non-Asian person about that, and they'd be like, yeah, that sounds yeah. like internalized racism. Uh, yeah. You know, that's, uh, that sounds like, um, you know, the way that that mirrors the way that, you know, black masculinity is, is prioritized over black femininity. Uh, they see it. Yeah. Um, but Asian guys, beca- because it's about us, um, like all guys, if it's about us, we kind of put on this, like, you know, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool in that. I'm cool in that because it hits you personally. Whereas yeah. for the outsider, it doesn't hit them personally, so they can be objective about it and be like, "Yo, no, that's a racist." Clearer, man. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And we saw that yeah. in the Fung Bros video where they asked like all the students. Yeah, me, exactly. Wrote that's about the, the article, yeah. and like yeah. the non-Asians are way more truthful. Yeah, than the and then the Asians, especially the Asian guys, they were the ones saying yeah. because they're operating under um, uh, a fear of shame. Yeah, yeah. they're also for a lot of the Asian dudes in that video, they're actually with Asian women at the time too. Yeah, they were like, you know, they were like students, so like and kept, like they were, like, yeah, so eyes like, are on them. Like, well, that's <laughs> what I mean. It's like you, you couldn't necessarily. It takes most dudes are not going to be that raw and honest. You know, it, when you're being taped, ask that kind of question, and like a woman is there, right? You don't want necessarily show that weakness about or that, what you perceive might be seen as weakness. About that video, I mean, I think that's the wrong. Obviously, that's the wrong approach. Well, yeah, I mean, but I think that there was this one. There was this one where there was a young Asian girl with her two asian guy friends and one of them said you know i asked her out and she wouldn't she didn't want to date me and i suspect it's racial because she only dates white guys right and then um i was like well it's nice that he said that you know but then his friends started laughing at him yeah his friend and and, uh andrew fung started pointing at him laughing at him and then they put pepe the frog you know seriously yeah, yeah, so yeah, they, yeah. There's that suddenly policing, a Pepe the Frog right? flashes yeah, on the that. video. So the men, so the men are doing incel, that, yeah. incel shame, right? Fuck right. this guy. The men are doing it to the men, boop, right? Boop. We don't even need to, you know. Yeah, so because we're, we're self because because Andrew Fung and that his friend, yeah, wanted to get as far away from this guy who just said the truth, right? Because right. they're scared of the shame, uh-huh. and they what they don't want to do is act on their impulse, which is to blame the girl. Yeah, right. The girl was honest about it though. She was like, "Look, it's not racial." It's confidence. I got to tell you, it's confidence. Oh, and bullshit. Bu- Which is bullshit. No, I, you know, okay. No, I, I'm sure it is, but it's like so directly tied to race. Is it all? It is. No, but here's my point. I would take her out her word. Sure. And I think she that. She thinks that. I, I think well, she I think Well, I think that she saw a lack of confidence in the, I would say that she was right, at least in that moment, to see that there was no confidence in the response of those three guys. Sure. Yeah, the, ironically, though, the most confident guy is the guy who said that. The least confident guy, is the right. guy laughing yeah, at yeah. him, and Andrew Fung for for doing that. Yeah, like but, Fung yeah. Bros, fuck you for doing that. That's so fucking weak. Yeah, but but yeah, exactly. Yeah, but Absolutely. if 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 the guy who brought it up, or his friend, or Andrew Fung had taken the position that either that there was a white female student uh-huh. who had said that this was a sign of internalized racism, or the the there was a young black man who said that this was a yeah. case of gendered racism. Like, Hallelujah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if they said that. 
I think that that is a demonstration of a certain kind of confidence because sure. they look yeah. freaking confident saying that. And I think that would go along. That would actually further this case for confidence. I agree. To be like, I I know about this topic. I understand this topic, and I'm not gonna cover my face, point, laugh, and put Pepe the Frog up at this. It's I, a real yeah. fucking topic. Yeah, what, like, why they, is everyone running away from this? Because they wouldn't have done the same thing to say like a, a white girl or or like a black girl who said that, right? Mm-hmm. It's like why, if it's the same observation, why can they make it and not the guy? Which is why, um, so you guys have all read that Flair article by Madeline Chung, right? The one that she said, like, I was vehemently against dating Asian mm-hmm. guys. And yeah. that's the reason I like articles like that, where she's just coming out and saying, it's, it's me, not you. Mm-hmm. And I think there are some guys who don't like that kind of thing, because there is this, there's this establishment of power, I guess, where she's like, well, I was in the position to reject you, and I'm sorry for that. And the guys who don't like articles like that are thinking, oh, you know, stop stop revealing to everyone that you're the one who rejected us and all that. But it's like, everyone sees it anyway. <laughs> so it's better yeah. that somebody like her comes out and says, it's, it's not you, uh, it's not your lack of confidence, it, it's me, it's my lack of confidence in, in my own like, identity. So, yeah. I understand why they feel that way. Uh, it's very, yeah, yeah you don't... It, I mean, I, I don't exactly love seeing it myself. It I'm reminds freaking, you... I'm freaking it reminds 40 you of, years old, right? you know, like, <laughs> I, I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it still bugs me. Well, it reminds you, know? you of, uh, of like where you are uh, in terms of just like social status, mm-hmm. but well, everyone knows it anyway. So why not I, I have seen a change in sort of the tone or um, the, the nature of these sort of like yellow fever reveal or like Mia culpa article mm-hmm. is that they are getting a lot more honest and there's a lot less hedging. So like this, that flair article, like she came out, as you said, Oxford, like it was me, not you. And this is why, and I, I've changed, but she was, she didn't hedge a lot. She wasn't like, Oh, you know, it's because of these, stereotypes of asian men and they're kind of true or not she was just like yeah i believe these false things plus she she really she didn't hedge and i like that 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 was a good part plus she also explicitly said from the beginning uh my new boyfriend's like filipino yeah which um you know i'm not saying that she has to but i'd say like years ago something like that would have probably been edited out saying oh now you're implying that there's any relationship to any connection with like who you're with and your kind of like uh, racial political identity. Like mm. before, that was taboo. There was absolutely no link to it. Uh, now I think it's it's more okay. So that that was another big development I saw. Yeah, yeah. We're, how much time we got left? All right, we so we we got minutes, we got about twenty minutes in, yeah. in the studio. So let, let's transition <laughs> to this um, something more geopolitical. Uh, yeah. So this this trade war shit that we keep hearing about. Uh, Teen, why don't, why don't you talk about this this interview between uh, Fox News Business, uh, Trish Regan and, and Lucian? Yeah, so I don't know the full background, but I know that there was a lot of like online, um, a lot online battling between uh, Liu Xing, who's like this uh, TV host. Yeah, she's like a big time uh, anchor woman, I suppose, for mm-hmm. CGTN in, in in China, and. She, she and Trish Regan, who's uh, sort of this Aryan uh, <laughs> sort of yeah basket. She's like a, she she's, looks aggressively white. She does. Yeah. Even her name, Trish Regan, is so white. Yeah. I, like Trish reminds me of uh, like Trish Stratus, the the wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> Very white, you know. And then Re- Reagan or Regan, obviously. Regan, you know? yeah. <laughs> she's like a Range Rover mother type. You know, she's definitely like, like a white reeks like, yeah. of condescension. She's like yeah, a the, white the way she talked to because yeah. I uh, when team when you first uh, told me about this interview, I thought it'd be this like super aggressive kind of like Nancy Grace type of woman who'd yeah. be grilling her. It was actually so calm, mm-hmm. and and the way Trish talked to her was like, "Don't you think that it's time for China to grow up?" That kind yeah. of shit. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Liu Xi was she ate shit. I mean, she yeah. is a professional shit eater. Uh, so yeah, so so basically they had this sort of like agreement online to do a debate on Fox News, mm-hmm. which I thought was a very positive thing, and I felt the fact that they did it at all still is a very positive thing. Um, and I thought that the overall interview, which uh, wasn't that substantive, it was mostly Trish Regan kind of being con- a condescending white bitch, mm-hmm. <laughs> and which is her Osh- wheelhouse. Yeah, and the Oshin being one of these. Um, uh, Almost a she's a she's a real hero in China right now for having done this. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But she went in there and admitted that China was not innocent, which it's not. I mean, China's a big boy country. It's yeah. not an innocent, you know, it's not a baby, right? It does right. shit. Um, but she basically ate shit for half an hour. 
<laughs> um, and then invited Trish Regan over to China and said, I'll show you around, you know, over here. And I, I think I think it was it was classic in the sense that it gave it kind of appeased that that white sensibility of oh, like, for we're sure. better. Oh, definitely. And Liu Xing did not come in and and do what I think a Chinese man would have done. Mm. Like the Liu Kang guy, right? <laughs> Liu Kang would have come on. Wait, the guy from Mortal Kombat. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Liu Kang. Liu Kang is a, the uh, is part in the foreign ministry. Oh, okay, uh, uh, is that his name? Liu Kang, not Liu. <laughs> Liu, just Liu. Liu, Liu. Yeah, no I, just Liu Kang. But yes, <laughs> Liu Kang. But he does, he's the same kind of guy. Like he would have done the bicycle kick thing, yeah. and, <laughs> or, or his fatality where, where he turns into a dragon and bites, and bites your head off. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like he would have got, and he goes around going like, you know, America's gonna learn its fucking lesson one day. That's right. You know, like, that's right. That's not gonna help anything. You you have you have this sort of battle between these two ice queens, yeah, and it's it's a thing to behold, man. I mean, I thought that I would have, if I had been in her shoes, listening to Trish Regan sort of condescend in that, you know, don't you think mm-hmm. that you know capitalism is like just, I mean, the bee's knees, guys. I mean, it's the best. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> your, your communism is responsible yeah. for how many millions and billions of deaths, whereas yeah. capitalism is responsible for ice cream, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and apple pie, and and going and, to the moon, uh, you know, and all yeah. that shit. And so I just think, um, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> you don't get organic gelato with communism. Yeah, That's no, you don't. No, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was interesting. So I couldn't find like an uncut version of this online yeah. uh-huh. to, to, oh, I, w- to I had to go it. to like the Fox I, I, there were like some oh, the YouTube Fox website. stuff but I went to the Fox business uh, website okay well I have a, a standing rule to never go to the Fox <laughs> uh, yeah but um, so I went on YouTube to try to find this and um, there was actually like there was actually there's this white guy who I think lives in China and it, he seems to be fluent in in, um, in Mandarin is but, that Nathan Rich guy I don't, I don't know his name, but okay. he's he just popped bald up guy. when I tried to look it up. But yeah, he was on a, he's a but bald he was, dude. Yeah, he's a bald I dude. I think yeah, it's yeah, that's yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's him. And I know nothing about who this guy is, but like he, he, he tried to analyze it in in trying to figure out like did did Lucien like do well, do not do well, and I think I was almost missing the point. I think just the fact, like you like you said, Tina, that they act, that it happened mm-hmm. was a big deal, mm-hmm. and I think Lucien sort of. "Quote unquote," eating shit the whole time mm-hmm. was actually sort of like um, like a rope a dope. It's sort of like yeah, yeah it's a it rope a dope, right? Yeah, like yeah. Trish thought that she sort of really gave it to her, mm-hmm. and, and and she you know got got Lucien to sort of really concede a lot and, and and say a lot of things, but she but Lucien really didn't say anything, right? Yeah, like she dope. just was like, yeah, you know, like we're not the best, but we're also you know we're we're doing our best, and you know like it, and she didn't insult anyone, but she also didn't like like sort of you know you know uh, kiss america's ass you just mm. sort of like you know she just rope-a-doped it yeah, yeah um, a part which it takes a lot of skill <laughs> yes yes yeah, there's a, a part lot of where, where lucian said something like yes uh i agree that like china needs to grow up and like thank you trish for you yeah know, teaching me that and, unreal like, i could yeah. not imagine no, so it's like, that had to be yeah. just pure sarcasm like some like chinese sarcasm yes. well yeah and, but <laughs> americans <laughs> won't get that right americans will think oh yeah she's really like we're we're dominating and she doesn't want them to get it uh, oh no so, yeah. absolutely not yeah. but like that's probably some code to like chinese listeners oh absolutely yeah. <laughs> but it's I mean, like I it think, was masterful in that sense i mean i think what's going on generally because I've, I've been thinking a lot about this just because it's pretty fucking hilarious. It is, um, not just th- phones. Th- this is not just about Huawei. It's, not just phones, it's not yeah. just about phones or even about trade. But there is, you have an administration that has openly been talking about uh, to- total, full spectrum, but maybe low grade war. I don't think we're talking about World War Three. But you know, we're entering a phase of full scale conflict, military, trade, cultural, yeah, everything, and. Um, you know, I think the strategy on the part of the Chinese, from what I understand, is the longer you delay, the better. Because what mm-hmm. they want to do is just sort of build up their ability to withstand, you know, these blows. And since they're growing so much faster than we are, by delaying conflict, the only thing that you do is raise your hand while America clearly is fucking imploding mm-hmm. in, in a lot of different areas. And so I think that it's kind of like, you know, I don't know where a lot of, you know, our listeners stand on these kinds of things or whether they even really think about it. But, um, yeah, I don't think, 
you know, I think that it's it's all about where am I trying? What am I trying to say? I, I'm basically trying to say like there are those who I think as Asian American guys get off on seeing very explosive, strongly worded, assertive mm -hmm. shows of force by mm -hmm. the Chinese mm -hmm. because it's it's um it, it's a cathartic almost in a way. Yeah. Yeah. To see this powerful country run by Asian people saying, yeah. you know, fuck you, white. You know, and they've openly used words like white supremacist and racist yeah. and yeah. all that stuff. And it's, it's cathartic. But I think that ultimately it's, they're good. You know, I think what they're really trying to do is just avoid and eat shit a little. I think that's why they had Liu mm -hmm. Xing on to eat shit a little bit. To try and get the Americans to just calm down a little bit. And like you said, rope a dope them into a sense of yeah. complacency. Yeah. Meanwhile... They're doing everything that they've always been doing, uh, which is the, everything that's ever been pissing America off, which is <laughs> building up their strength. Absolutely, yeah. Sometimes at our expense. But this know? is exactly what the United States did against the Soviet Union, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, the Cold War, it, this is basically another version of a Cold War between, mm -hmm. I think, the United States and China. And um, China's playing the role of sort of like the United States in this sense that they're delaying armed conflict to build up strength and then hopefully win based on the fact that we're just stronger and just going to overwhelm uh, the other party by economic, uh, uh, you know, influence and strength. And that's basically how the United States beat the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the United States is so myopic and has no sense of history, can't see the bigger picture, that we don't realize that the tactics that we used against the Soviet Union is being used against us. We can't recognize it. Uh, and Plus, it's dangerous. Um, Plus, stealing technology is perfectly legit. As anyone who plays Civilization Four knows, you gotta have that espionage. That's man. right. Gotta, That's right. Yeah, computers cheating anyway, so you gotta get even. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, but that's the thing, though, is like America. We've always been in a low-grade war with Asia. Yeah, and I think with the stuff that was going on in North Korea uh, ever since Trump took office, it's not that things were fine relative to North Korea, and then Trump just made it work. I think it just kind of revealed and the more press attention that was being paid to what was going on in North Korea, you realize, you know, that the American strategy often is to try and provoke the opponent into making a dumb move. And mm -hmm. so we fly, I mean, we violate their airspace all the time. And we fly jet fighters and bombers low into the ground to scare the shit out of people in North Korea. Mm -hmm. And knowing that they're within a lifetime of having suffered the bombing campaign. Mm-hmm. Of the Korean War, which is if you guys aren't that was a crime against humanity. That, yeah, there's read a, about it. Go to Wikipedia. Was it, it um yeah. what was it the Intercept or was it Counterpunch? Yeah, I think the Intercept. It was one of those things. We'll we'll put a link up. I think to the Intercept. That yeah, it was just the amount of bombs that were we, dropped. On we North dropped Korea. more bombs on North was, Korea during the Korean War than the whole of the Pacific Theater during World War. Yeah, II. and it was totally think unnecessary in terms of like uh like a tactical. No, they're, they're going after civilians. They stopped. Yeah. They stopped actually sending out uh, uh, air sorties because they had bombed everything. There, there was, was nothing, nothing to, bomb. to bomb. Yeah, they had nothing to bomb. Think about that. Yeah, <laughs> and so and so to me, I think like you know, without slipping into being an apologist for a regime like Kim Jong Un and you know whatever, you got to kind of understand like that country's origins are mm -hmm. from a genocide that the Americans. By genocide, I mean they were literally trying to kill anything that moved. They, mm -hmm. they, they civilian targets were. I mean. If if there was like a if there was a school with children in it, so there's a shack, valid target. If there was a shack. They're gonna bomb that. Yeah. So it was genocidal yeah. in the sense of you know and and so I think that I find it. Um, I just find like as Asian Americans that it's it's just really incomplete if we don't know that history. Mm -hmm. And it's being made available to us now because journalism, the Overton window, you know, as we talked about, is open wide. And you do have um, people like Jeremy Scahill and, you know, over at, over at uh, The Intercept, who I think have been really good on foreign policy reporting. Yeah. And you have guys like Mike Ravel running for president, you know, for running yeah. for president who are great on talking about American foreign policy. Mm -hmm. in, his, in his case, more in the Middle East, but you know, also in Asia. And I think that Asian Americans, I feel like there's a tendency for us to want to be apologetic to the United States because we still have this insecurity that if I am critical in any way about what's going on over there, 
then I'm like a tanky. I'm standing up for Mao. I'm standing up for mm-hmm. Kim Jong-un. Or not, not even that political. It's just like, I'm a fob. It goes back to that fear of being a fob from, from your school days. That, that too. guest mentality, right? <laughs> that too, but yeah. I think that that's the defense. But the goalie is, 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 is this idea that um, you're anti-American. Yeah, yeah. at yeah, the, yeah, yeah. At yeah, the yeah. root of anti-fobness is that basically if you're a fob, you're anti-American. You're... Everything that America stands for, you're the opposite of. You're suspect, right? Yeah, I mean, but that 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 first layer, I think, is is that fob shame. Like you're just you're not yeah. one of us. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But behind that is you're dangerous. Yeah, and I don't think people should shy away from that idea in the sense of like. Well, because you, it's gonna come at you no matter what. Because like, like, if you notice how much Trump railed against China in his campaign, mm-hmm. and we all know China is just code word for yellow. Mm-hmm. And I know some Southeast Asians think they're exempt from this, but you know a lot of them are you know yellow passing. Mm-hmm. So you know you can get rounded up to the same camps as we are. Um, and but then if you look at the all the sympathy that's given out to like uh, you know the Mexicans, the Muslims. Uh, black people, even even like white women, LGBTQ, everybody, you can run through that list. Nobody ever mentions Asians. Uh, so, mm-hmm. and both you see like both the Democrats, you know, talking about getting tough on China. Obviously, the Republicans now um, doing more so of that as the more populist minded people take over from from the, the business interests. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's like nobody's on our side. So at, at the very least, you got to at least have that conscious identity and, and find uh, you know, um, strength. So that's, I mean, that's a tricky thing because it's not that I, I mean, I, I'm very critical of like, I take the, I take the, the Scahill view or the Noam Chomsky view mm-hmm. of American foreign policy as yeah. being essentially one of the scourges of the planet. Mm-hmm. But I think that's your responsibility as an American, not your, that's not me advocating for China. Right. That's not me advocating for the North Korean regime or mm-hmm. the Venezuelan regime. That's me saying, as an American, like, you know, I think we have a responsibility yeah. to fully participate in American politics and discourse. And what do you really think about foreign policy? Am, am I opposed to foreign intervention because my family came from China? Maybe that influenced it. Sure. But there are plenty of homegrown white people, journalists, academics who have yeah. taken the same view yeah. much stronger. And I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is, if you want to talk about white privilege, to me, the ultimate white privilege is this ability to be critical of America and not be seen as fundamentally non-American, you know, disloyal. Yeah. Right. And so that's a, you know, a form of racism against Asians. But fuck it. I mean, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? You're going to you're just going to kowtow to that or are you going to. You know, because I think until you do that, I think as Asians, it's like you have to understand like the racism against Asians in this country, like you said, is rooted in geopol- the geopolitics. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're not protected because we are seen as enemy. Um, we're an not actual. Threat. We're not vulnerable. Yeah. We're threatened. We're an actual threat. Right. Yep. Yeah. When so, that uh, what was the name like Karen well, uh, the Skinner, Karen Skinner yeah. said that thing about China. I felt so bad for the Asian Americans who were working in like foreign policy because they were just, you know, because they had to uh, straddle this weird line in, in they had to like condemn what she said. But at, deep down, they must have known that th- that's basically how the U.S. thinks anyway. Right. This mm-hmm. idea mm-hmm. of, you know, racial enemies and yeah, you can have white enemies, but if um, if. All things being equal, if they're white, you know, they're, they're a little closer to us than if they're not white. They must have known that. If you're an Asian American going into, like, you know, foreign service, or something, you know that. Yeah. And to have it so bluntly said. And then you're like, oh, how dare she say that? But yet knowing that's what you're serving. You know, just- my, my, uh, so my, fa- my, my father worked um, in intelligence his whole career at the CIA. Uh, and uh, after college, I had gotten my security clearance and I was going to go work in the, in, in the sort of like... Uh, military industrial complex oh you're you're a hero (laughs) yeah i was going i I salute you (laughs) well i was heading i was heading towards the intelligence branches myself um which is not like not spies i mean this is these are major employers in the washington dc yeah these are ordinary jobs there but um but the thing is that you have to get a security Mm -hmm. and uh and my and i remember my dad told me uh this is right before i sort of decided to to just quit and go to go to law school he was like don't do it. It's like don't don't live your life under you know security clearance. 
Oh, because um, I know you said that you worked as like some kind of like computer engineer. I did not realize it was for like the defense industry. It was, yeah, it was oh, for, man, I was going to go work for this, uh, it, it was called, it was at the time it was called NEMA. It's called something else now, but right. it's the Nash, it's, it's the agency that runs all those spy satellites mm. that could, you know, photograph a dude right. taking a shit on a, right, right. you know. You can read the, the print on a, on a, on a golf ball. Yeah, know. that, that kind of shit. Um. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought that was kind of cool, but my dad was like... The tech is pretty cool. I mean, honestly, it's cool. Yeah, the tech was cool, <laughs> and it was like this... It was this whole, like, scheduling and priority system as mm-hmm. to, like, who would get priority to the satellite To do whatever. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of cool. It was a cool job. It was a cool job. Sure, yeah. And my dad was like, yeah, you don't know, as cool it. as it is, don't do it. Um, was it because of just, like, the, the racial, like, thing, the it's, imperialist thing? It's not... See, the thing is, it's not really racial in the sense... I mean, it is racial, but that's not why it sucks. It's mm. not because... It's not because of the same type of like racism, I think, that, you know, non-white people will face. It's more of a sense of like, like, could it's it's really requiring you to conform at a deep level, the inner yeah. level, the political level. Yeah. To keep yourself safe. Yeah. And it, you know, it goes to, I think that's why two of the greatest uh, Asian American novels, like Native Speaker and uh, The Sympathizer, both go towards this issue of loyalty when you really get down to the base of it is like how much can you conform to a society which is at war with your people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um that's a big question yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. direct war over a century probably like indirect war you know before that as mm-hmm. well if not direct yeah so yeah so that I mean, these are topics we should cover. <laughs> they take a little. It takes a lot of care to talk about these topics, it does. but um, yeah, we should definitely talk more about these issues about loyalty. Yeah, uh, I what, think that's what a big that topic. means in a country that is that has been at war with, you know, East Asia, yeah. Southeast Asia has a history of it. Probably will continue into the future. Yeah. How do you yeah. feel? You know? I mean, not, yeah. not only a war, but then it's also covered up because at least if yeah. there because. I mean, I don't know if, if like envy is, is even the right word, but at least like when when I see you know people of like Middle Eastern descent or like even South Asian because they sometimes get mistaken, the you know U.S. is clearly at war with with like Middle East and like mm-hmm. Islamic countries, but at least it's out in the open. Mm-hmm. So there is, uh, you get it's like you get demonized by like the right wings, but you also get some uh, political protection protection from the sure, left yeah. but with asians it's like the worst of both worlds there is war but it's also well you know like for example with somewhere like korea or even china it's like well we saved you with like american style capitalism so why are you complaining so it's like yeah we're kind of on our own and i think that contributes to why so many yeah, I mean, both the korean are, war and vietnam war were wars that we fought in someone else's country mm-hmm. but we out we still characterize them as defensive wars right for <laughs> protecting <laughs> the united states right yeah. Which is strange. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think there's an element of like, well, you attacked us in your country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. that's what happens when you're colonized. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, yeah. you know, your country was my country. You know, we owned you guys. Right. We basically you attacked us, So we yeah. were just defending you all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think that. Well, it, it, yeah. it, it's. I think that at some point we're going to have to start looking a little more about what was going on. How did the. How did Asian Americans react to the Vietnam War? Mm hmm. There probably were not many Asian Americans during the Korean War, but by the time of the Vietnam War, there there were a lot more radical student movements and stuff like that. Yeah, and with increasing hostilities against China, uh, some of that stuff I think may be illuminating for us at this point. Mm-hmm. No, it is, and I think even just outside of this question of loyalty from a geopolitical perspective, um, loyalty just within the community—what does that mean? Like. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So our time's almost up. Uh, Mark and I we're gonna right. go watch the Champions League final. I got, Spurs. I got my, no Spurs. I got my son. Come on, you Spurs. Last time, last time I was at the bar, uh, Flannery's. Uh, some white dude said I look exactly like Son. And <laughs> remember, remember fake nice. Clay, fake Clay Thompson. Have you seen that YouTube video? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder yeah. if I like walked around with this and some people would be, uh, think I'm Son. They're like, why are you here? <laughs> why are you over there? Or, uh, I'll, yeah, uh, yeah. And then uh, I wonder if I could pull that fake. fake so son. when I was in when I was in Korea, um, just you know, a few months ago. Um, you see his advertisements all over the place, and I would like have a big smile on my face and like point it out every time. My wife got very tired of that. Oh, really? <laughs> I was like, "He's my hero." <laughs> thing is, I don't, I don't think I look anything like like 
Someone, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, there have been like Korean. <laughs> you're, uh, you're skinny or. I'm all, yeah, Korean. I mean, just like my face, I don't think looks like him. And there, there are like other famous Koreans I've been sometimes compared to, but I don't, him, I don't think. Nah, I don't think uh, so. You have to be white to see any. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah, so. Or non Asian to see any <laughs> connection. But anyway, uh, thanks everyone for listening to us. You know, please go subscribe and rate us at uh, all our usual stations like iTunes and SoundCloud. And please go support us on Patreon. Patreon slash planetmag.com. Patreon.com slash planetmag. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We are, yeah, we're going to get more used to saying that. <laughs> uh, and yeah, okay. So everyone, we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. See you.